Another episode of the Behind the You podcast. We are joined by former Canes punter, Pat O'Donnell. Was it, by the way, is it Pat or Patrick? Because I see Patrick come up, but I always thought you were Pat. Pat, you say Pat. All right, so Pat O'Donnell's here with us, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. I'm going to go back to where I originally started this, Pat, which is you are definitely the most handsome former Kane we've had on the podcast. Thank you. I'm saying a lot. I get, I get a lot of crap in a locker room. I, I'm not going to use explicit on the show because I think it's just because of the hair and I blame my wife. I had this Cuban cut coming out of Miami. It was a straight buzz, you know, tapered on the side, low fade. And she tried to get me into like this Fabio look, man. Got a little flow, got a little, got a little flavor to me now. So you could blame her for that. They say like, oh, like the pretty boy. And then after they get to know me, you know, like, hey, I went to Miami. Brings a little street cred. They probably thought I went to like his buttoned up university, maybe Harvard or, you know, USD or something like that. But no, I went to the U as a transfer, you know, I went to Cincinnati, but Hey, I claim the U I claim the U and uh, yeah, I get a little street cred for that. Now um, let, let, let's take a journey down a different path. If you are the most handsome to grace this, who would you say if like, we did a people's, you know, most beautiful cover, best looking teammate. Oh, best looking teammate. I had, I had a guy named Zach Miller who was very dedicated to his hair game as well. But a lot of people give me a comparison like Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, that's good. Zach Miller played where? What position? He's a tight end with me in Chicago. Who's better looking, you or him? You know what? I want to give it to Zach. You know, he's a strapping lad from Nebraska. I mean, all the ladies loved him. He always blew kisses when he scored touchdowns. I mean, no one knew who I was. I was a punter, man, right? (laughs) Now, I want to say this is going in the opposite direction. The offensive lineman from Green Bay, I don't know know if he was there. Who's the guy that chugged the beers at at the Hoops game? David Bakhtiari. Yeah, Milwaukee Bucks legend. He seems like a good dude. He just seems like, just from that, you'd want to hang out with that guy, I think. He is a great dude. Yeah, he would love, love, love to sit down with you, drink a beer, and just shoot the podcast. But I feel like Green Bay, Green Bay's sort of like the home for that, isn't it? Yeah, if you don't drink there, they look at you a little different. (laughs) They're going to look at you a little different there. So it's a rite of passage to drink up there. Now, of course, at Green Bay, there's always one big name that comes up. So I'm not going to get too deep into him. But I'll troll a little bit, see if I can throw a little chum in the water. So I'm going to see if I can do this creatively with Mr. Rogers, which is you are wearing a shirt, dad season. And uh, I don't know, the origination of at least me trying to get you on here, even beyond the you was Patrick Mahomes, post-game locker room, shirt off, photo hits the internet. He's like, come on, you guys had to do me like that, dad bod season. You have a line of apparel, which you'll talk about, and you creatively, from a Beautiful marketing move by you. Insert yourself into that conversation with, I knew my brand was slightly off. It should not be dad season. It should have been dad bod season and tag Patrick Mahomes. I catch it. I'm like, what's Pat O'Donnell up to? See, you've got this line of apparel, but here's how I'm going to try and get you to see if I can get clicks. More of a dad bod, Mahomes or Rogers. You know what? I'm going to give it to Pat. Because I don't know if Aaron's ever been photographed with his shirt off. Because I don't know if we could do a side-by-side. But you've seen him, obviously. Ah, yeah. He's, I mean, Aaron's pushing. He's, he's 40. He's 40. Pat's like, what, 27? <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it to Mahomes, though. All right. We're going to have to send Rogers back to the cave and, you know, get some workout in or something like that. Cleanse, <laughs> cleanse out and get the six-pack to be more pristine. That's probably not going to get us very far in the, in the world of the internet. All right, but let's talk about dad season here for a second. So dad season is something you created. Let's talk about that first. And then did you get any traction on the dad bod season? Uh, listen, man, I shot my shot on the Twitter world. I don't know if you saw it or you just chose not to see it, but I don't know if he was too happy with all that circulating. No, but dad season is supposed to be 
essentially that it's supposed to be for every dad out there. I wanted to create uh, this unique line. And with me being a, an athlete, you know, I created the tagline, the slogan, like no off season, dad season. So I did a couple of podcasts and I had something on the side, but I really wanted to emphasize and expand upon that down the road and potentially do some stuff with the guys in the locker room that are fathers or guys that are trying to be dads or, you know, they look up to you because you get all walks of life in that locker room. Some, some guys have great backgrounds with amazing father figures and you have other guys that are aspiring to be dads and they have a lot of questions and uh, maybe bridge the gap in between there. So I got a lot of work to do with dad season, but it's a good off season project for me right now. And I'm trying to tackle it, get a little exposure. I shot my shot with my homes. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll wear my shirt like underneath the pageant and after the Super Bowl. Wait, I was ju- wait, I swear on my life. I was just going to say whatever. I guess Manning's last Super Bowl, right? He he, he threw out, I'm just going to drink some Budweiser. So that was a paid for advertisement that they got to insert in there. You got the connection over your right shoulder. I think if you can get a dad bod season shirt into Mahomes' hands, they win it. Instead of he says he's going to Disney World, he just rips off the, the the jersey and hits you with that apparel sales. You won't even be able to keep up with production. Through the roof, man. Through the roof. I don't know if he can do that with all the sponsorships, but I'm here for it. If he wants to do it, I'm here for it. <laughs> all right, a couple quick things, Pat. A couple quickies for me, and then we're just going to kind of go down this road. Why do returners catch the ball inside the 10-yard line? Can you explain this to me? I've never understood it. Feet are on the 10, and the ball's going over your head. I've never understood why they can't let it go. It's a good day for me when they fair catch inside the 10. You know, some guys just lose their awareness. They, all the coaches that I've been around is the eight yard line, 10 yard line, but all the good returners, you know, they let it go, they gamble, they take a chance. Sometimes you're at the mercy of the bounce, but yeah, it's usually that fringe of eight yard line, 10 yard line, but it drives me crazy though. With, if I'm on the team and they fair catch the ball inside like the 10 or inside the five, it drives me absolutely nuts. Wait, why? Oh, well, if it's on your team. Yeah, if it if it's my returner, I'm like, man, let it go, let it go. Right, because you don't want to be punting from you don't want to be punting from the end zone. Oh, that too, and obviously, like their stat looks better than my stat. You're always battling the guy across from you when you're playing. Oh, is that? Oh, it's self serving. It's self serving. Self serving, but I don't want to see my boys backed up. I don't want to see that happen. Field position, man. You know, so fair catching inside the ten if you're playing me, but. You know, let it go if you're on my <laughs> Let it bounce through the end zone. The the net punting goes significantly down and you're screwed. Absolutely. It's a circle of life, man. Circle of life, you know, punt, score touchdown, field position. Like we always preach that in, in Chicago with my uh, special teams coordinator. So special teams is very interesting. We're diving we're diving deep in this segment. No, that. we're gonna we're I, this is where I like to go. I like to get into the weeds on, on some of this stuff. Now, recently at UM we've had a lot of Aussie punters. Have have is it has it infiltrated the league? It's starting to. You might have to start. You might have to have an offshoot of the dad season, which might be punters, <laughs> punter season. Don't forget us. A lot of punters are dads. I give them that. I give them that. I mean, those Colquitt guys, they had like probably 10 kids between the both of them. I mean, <laughs> punters like to procreate, reproduce. But are we losing the American punter? It's like jobs going out overseas. Are we losing the American punter, Pat? I'm worried about this. You know what? I think you're probably losing it in college right now, more so than NFL. But, uh, I mean, those guys come in, they're you know, 20, 21, 22, 23 years old. And mm, some, of them, from, some of them are a little, I think Lou Headley and you might actually be the same age. Yeah, I think Lou's actually 30. Yeah, yeah he's not a, far behind. Yeah, as a rookie. I mean, yeah, I mean, everyone has their own little path or their, their journey, man. But I think um, I give the, the Australians credit, man. They're trying something new. They're trying to get into a profession. I mean, try to get a college degree. But yeah, I think like you're starting to see a wave of more Australians tapping into the market. 
Now, you only went to Cincinnati, but I, with all due respect to them, I, I've had both Lou Hadley and then the punter on this year's team, Dylan Joyce. Each of their stories are eerily similar. I want you to envision this. They literally, with sight unseen, committed to Miami and literally just flew, you know, just flew cross continent, got dropped in Miami, not knowing a thing about anything about this country, this city, the school, nothing to pursue this. It's pretty damn wild. Yeah, I don't know if I would ever do anything like that. So same here. Like, you know, I went to like I went I left the state for college, but I didn't just I mean, these guys saved up money, they took out loans, you know, they went to a special school and then just hopped on a plane and just ended up in a whole forget a different state, different continent to go pursue this. It's wild, man. It's why that's why I tip my hat to them. I'm like, good for you guys, man. And then when you make it into the league after that. All glory to you, man. That's amazing. That's why I respect you so much. Change the trajectory of your career or find your new passion. Both are possible at the University of Miami's Division of Continuing and International Education. The division offers over 50 courses with online and hybrid options for on-the-go professionals and busy parents. Visit miami.edu slash DCIE to learn more or call our enrollment advisors at 305-284-4000 to discover which course is right for you. Let's tap into what's going on now. We got the Super Bowl. I don't want predictions, but you played. We got two Canes, one on Kansas City, one on San Fran. You played with both Deion Bush and Feliciano. Your one year at Miami. I did. I did. Yeah. Bush was with me in Chicago. And in Chicago. And he's with you in Chicago. Great dude. Great dude. And then John is such a he's a dog in the trenches, man. I love seeing him on Twitter. He's not afraid to bark back at somebody. So that's just who he is. And that's his personality. So I think he's great for San Francisco. And Dion's like made his life. He's made his living basically playing special teams. Yeah, he made his living playing special teams. He was a, a gunner for me. He worked with like a lot of the punt return units. He was like uh, a special teams ace for us in Chicago. So I was happy to see him go to Kansas City. I mean, he's gone to the Super Bowl now twice. I mean, no matter how long you play, some guys never see it. You play 10, 15 years, but man, going back twice is something special. And Mongo's just Mongo, right? He's just like a crazy person. Crazy person. Uh, I don't know if you can put a side by side up there, but he's got, you know, scraggly beard, like, you know, he wears like these long sleeves untucked, like he's just not really kept well. <laughs> but that's like <laughs> but that's like what you envision for a, a lineman. That's what you envision. And that's how he plays. He plays dirty, he plays fierce. That's how he was at Miami. He was always like nose to nose with somebody in the trenches. So that's who I would want if I was a quarterback blocking for me. I was about to say, you probably don't want to cross paths with him. You don't want to have a snide remark at Feliciano in a bar late at night. No, not that guy. Not that guy. You want that guy on your team, though. Like if, you, if you're at a bar fight, like you want this guy. 100%. Now, you also were on the same team. I wanted to tell me the first time you laid eyes on Chantrell Henderson. And what did you think? I honestly heard a lot about him before I even stepped on campus. Okay. So, what'd you hear? Then, what'd you see? And then, what? I actually, he was on this podcast. His story is crazy, too, before and after. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. I mean, monster of a human being, right? That's exactly what you want out of a tackle. He was like probably every NFL's dream, like to just copy paste, like put him on my franchise. But he was a good teammate. I love being around him. I know he played for a while. I don't know if he's done. Is he officially retired or is he still going? Yeah, he's done. He's been done for a while. He he had he had a bunch of like health issues, like something in his gut, some kind of infection, and just kind of like kind of set him back a whole bunch of times. Yeah, that's tough, man. I hate seeing that or having a career cut short because of health problems. But yeah, he was a 
awesome, awesome teammate. And I just love, I love talking about that guy and former guys that I played with and having the, their success. And I know there was a lot of expectations for him, especially when he stepped foot on campus. He was probably like the highly, most highly recruited guy, right? Yeah, he was up there. You actually, the year you were at Miami, 2013, that was the, I think it was the best year under Coach Golden, but you guys had the bowl ban, right? We did have the bowl ban. Ah, uh, no, we, we played Louisville in the Citrus Bowl, I think. Oh, they had Teddy Bridgewater, I think. Yeah, they didn't, that didn't end too good. No, that wasn't a great year. <laughs> a great, <laughs> great way to end the year. Not a good way to end the college career. No, not a good way to end the career. So uh, let's go through some of this. Uh, I didn't know this, but thank God for your wife, the executive producer of this episode. I knew you grew up in Florida. You wanted to go to UM. I did. Yeah, that was my dream. South Florida guy. I, I, I listened to him all the time on the radio, especially with my dad on Sundays. So. You listened to the Canes on the radio? Oh, yeah. It was like yard work on Saturday when they were playing. So, so you wait, you listen to you listen to Josie and Don Bailey Jr. Absolutely. Legend. Le oh, my God. And still doing it. Still do. Those are my guys. Those are my I wasn't doing it back then, but I've been on the sidelines with them for like the last 13. No, last. Yeah, it's been like 13, 14 years. But so you be in the yard doing work with your dad, listening to the Canes. Absolutely. I have fond memories of that. So. I hold those close to the heart, and I got to play for him, which is amazing. Did they look at you at all or no? So they had uh, Matt Bosher at the time, so he did everything. And then I actually got the scholarship to the University of Cincinnati. And that's why I met this guy, Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey. I did four years there, met some amazing people, including those two, and then transferred to the University of Miami my fifth year. So it was really cool to see both sides, two different programs, uh, before the whole transfer portal got super crazy. You came in when with those guys? Well, who's old? Jason's older, right? Jason's two years older. And then uh, Travis was already there. He was a year ahead of me. And he was a redshirt. He was actually a quarterback. What? He was a quarterback, and they thought he'd be a quarterback. And then they transitioned him to a uh, tight end in the spring. So he had an interesting career. But yeah, he was, he was supposed to be a quarterback. Wait, let's, wait, this might get us where we want to go. Forget Rod, Aaron Rodgers. Let's talk about Travis Kelsey. So... He was a he came in as a quarterback, and in the spring they transitioned him to tight end. So you said interesting career. So what elaborate? Because I don't that could go a lot of different ways. That could go a lot of different ways, Pat. I mean, I'm not going to speak for Travis, but like he had a kind of a, a checkered past, I guess. You know, he got in trouble a little bit. He didn't really start. And it, he was kind of like a, a late bloomer, you know. And then we had a coach named Butch Jones that really just like he rode him really hard, like almost like into the ground he wanted to quit and then everything kind of happened for a reason i guess and then he, he sat out a year because he was suspended by the ncaa failed drug test but then after that he like turned his whole life around had an amazing senior year and then he gets drafted by the chiefs and now the rest is history man so so his senior year you're there or you're not there uh yeah i was just underneath him i was a junior at the time and he was a senior and jay you and jason were on the team at the same time ever or no i was a freshman yes when he was I believe a redshirt junior. So did they play special teams with you? Either one? Travis, not so much. No, he was he wasn't. And then Jason, I don't think they maybe field goal or something like that, but that's a crazy. And I would like so you how'd we get the jersey? I mean, obviously you asked, but like I mean, enough you had enough of a relationship that he honored the request? Oh yeah, yeah. Me me and Travis go way back. We go way back. Oh really? Like it's a good relationship? Good relationship, awesome teammate. He like basically paid for one of our Really good buddies, bachelor party out in Vegas. But that's just who Travis is. Like, was he there or he just paid for it? You no, know, he was there too. He reaped the benefits of uh, <laughs> paying for it. I, what's a God? I'd, I'd love to ask you about a night out with Travis is like, but I'm not sure you'd spill the beans on that one. Maybe off the air. Off the air. I'm off the air. We got to get it. So you got to get a dad season shirt into Jason's hands. 
Oh, Jason is my target marketing audience. Yeah, yeah. He's perfect because I, I didn't watch all of the episodes, but they did the documentary, not the podcast, but they did the documentary on him about, you know, I guess it was the year before last. And I watched a couple of them and it was very, but a lot of it was centered on him. His decision to retire or not was about him being able to be a father or, or his fear of not his body's basically breaking down. I think a lot of guys are becoming more aware and cognizant of like their bodies and their future and being there for their family. So I give those guys a lot of credit. Like, I don't know how many games Jason has played in a, in a, in a row. I think it was some, some crazy stat, but like that's unheard of for a lineman. That's just like the type of guy that he is too, though. He's, he's loyal and he is not going to like <laughs> sit out. Like he is a very, very good football player. He wants his, his hand in every game that he plays. You were recruited by Butch or Brian, Butch Jones or Brian Kelly recruited you to Cincinnati? Uh, so I was a Brian Kelly commit, but I, he only lasted one year, and that's when he jump shipped to Notre Dame. That's when they went to the Orange Bowl, and then they got kind of smoked by uh, Florida Gators. That was when Tebow and had That's rough. Brandon Spike had all those guys, so the Pouncey tw- twins. Uh, they were loaded. They were loaded. It was unheard of. Brian Kelly seems like he likes you to know that he knows a lot. True or false? True. Very true. <laughs> Very true. Did you see him when he got hired at LSU trying to do the Southern draw and all that stuff? You must have laughed. You must, since you knew him, you must have laughed a little bit. Oh, yeah. We got a text message like all the guys from Cincinnati. And everyone's like, man, this guy. This guy. This guy. Right. There we go. That's, that, should be a, that should be an offshoot of dad season. This guy. Oh, man. I think everybody knew. Like, that was so cringeworthy. Oh my God. Like, what are you doing there? But like, what are you doing? Come on. I don't know if it's like when you go to the South and you try to imitate them and just a dialect just comes on super thick, but that's over time though, isn't it? That's over time. I mean, he was there for a good 12 hours (laughs) when he landed on the jet. (laughs) Did he ever, did he ever, uh, dress you down? Like we get it. Did we get a tongue lashing from Brian Kelly? Yeah. One of my fondest memories with Brian Kelly. I was a freshman. Fondest memories. Yes. Okay. This is going in the book, right? Yeah, he didn't speak to specialists too often, but he said, O'Donnell, you see this jugs machine over there? I just took your scholarship and I bought that. What do you think of that? And I was a freshman. I was like, whoa, what, what's going on? Like, this guy. Why, did you shank a pond or something? Like, what happened? No, he just liked to get under people's skin. That's just who he is. Yeah, he loves a little BK. He loves himself. When you think of great football and baseball, you think about the you. When you get hurt in a car, truck, or motorcycle wreck, you need to think Lebovic Law Group. At Lebovic Law Group, you come first. We work to get you all the money you are entitled to. Injured? You need to call or click Lebovic. Lebovic Law Group, the exclusive sponsor of the Miami Hurricanes and proud sponsor of all things you. Go you! So we do our four years at Cincinnati. We're done. So you're 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 the grad transfer portal, right? You're a grad transfer. You can you can transfer freely once you finish school. Let's go. Let's go a two parter. Hey, why did you decide to leave Cincinnati? And then how did you end up at Miami? Yeah. So I was like in the spring, like toying with there was a new coaching staff coming in, and my dad was sick back home. So then I was like, do I gut it out, play for a new coach? We'll go closer to home. One of my really good friends, Shane McDermott, he called me and said, hey, we're graduating a punter. Like, I don't know if you can get in here. And like, he knew what was going on. He's a really good friend of mine. He's like, hey, why don't you try? Oh, that's right. Because you guys are from, you guys are both. What's funny, I saw in my stalking you for the preparation, that clearly for preparation, stalking all your social media, that you and Shane were good friends. And at first I was like, oh, that's from Miami. Now, but you guys are both, did you guys go to the same high school? Same middle school, same high school. Yeah. Oh, got it. Okay. So Palm Beach Central, right? Correct. Yep. 
so we're good friends and you know we're just talking and catching up and he's like you know we're graduating as senior punter and i was like oh yeah but you know i gotta leave here you know how it is you maybe build up four years of friendships at a place and you don't want to leave your senior year back then it's a little different little very hard challenging they block you from places and oh that's right the blocking that what a what a bad game right like you can't you can leave but you can't go here like screw you dude yeah, now it's like the wild, wild west, right? You could just basically, any excuse you wanted to, you could say, I'm leaving. Uh, yeah, that was like when Russell Wilson did that whole thing from, you know, NC State, and he went to Wisconsin, and everyone was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So then a year later, like, uh, the only opportunity that I had was University of Miami did not, or University of Cincinnati, excuse me, did not offer liberal arts as a master's program. That was the play? Yeah, you had to go into a master's program that your former college or university did not offer. It's funny, like in this, with everything that's going on now and there's stuff going on now that I think is, you know, obviously needs to be figured out. But now hearing hearing about that back then, how asinine were the rules? They were crazy. They had complete control of you. They were like, we assume like the four-year scholarship, but they could still take it and basically make you quit and basically sign somebody else next year and you were kind of, you're screwed. So back then you could be a grad transfer and move freely, but you could only go if the other school offered something that was not offered at your institution? Correct. So that's like the slam dunk, like get in really quickly. In liberal arts, you didn't have to take a placement test because it was very quick for me. Like as soon as I said I was transferring, you know, I had a, only a couple of weeks until the summer program and all that were, were starting up. So. Is it like it was now when you, right, I'm going to be, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to transfer. I mean, there's, I don't think there was a, there was no portal back then, right? No portal, but I think you like were in some kind of database, like you know, you could like. So, like, were you? I guess, were, I guess, were you? Were you looking? Were you fielding calls? Were you looking to go other places, or you kind of knew where you're going to end up? No, I really wanted to go back home. Like, if I was going to do it, I was going to come back home. It worked out great for me. I got to play for the Canes, like my childhood dream. I got to play with my high school teammate Shane, and then uh, my dad got to see me play my senior year, which was awesome. So I don't regret it at all. And I was really fortunate that it lucked out. I mean, I got to play. For UC, met Travis Chase and all these amazing football players. And I went down to Miami and I was like, this is a completely different world. You know, everyone's like a four or five star. And in Cincinnati at the time, it was, it was a Big East. I remember that. So you guys were Mac offers, you know, Big East guys. Like no one really had like the really big offers. So it was just two different crops of, of talent, you know, and I got to see both sides. So what was it like when you first walked into the Miami locker room? Pat O'Donnell, strapping punter, but a punter, strapping punter, but a punter, walking into the uh, the locker room that that has, uh, you know, its history of five stars and pro bowlers and Hall of Famers and first round draft picks. And how, how does Pat O'Donnell make his way through the, the, the initiation period? Yeah, I think there was an initiation period where guys kind of bet you a little bit, but they knew I was an older guy and I was I transferred in and kind of like established, if you will. But yeah, you, you kind of just put your head down and grind and you earn a little respect from all of them. But just the facility, that's when uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson just put his name in that locker room and they just redid it. So it was uh, it was definitely a better upgrade than UC had at the time. So Artie Burns was my locker mate. So Artie was a freshman and I was like this super senior, right? Fifth year guy. And he was right next to me. And I was like, man, this kid, this kid is very talented. I'm like, this kid's going to make it. And um, he could fly. He could fly. Yeah, he was always there. You said on another podcast that like the opportunity to work out with Andrew Swayze or the, the fact that you were trained or worked or Andrew Swayze were your strength coach was like a, a whole introduction to a different like world, a different level of training that you had not seen before, but it helped you down the road. Could you explain that? 
Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati always had like, you know, their off-season program and whatnot. And, you know, the strength coach always got guys stronger. But I always felt like Swayze, for whatever reason, like he was so good at gravitating or captivating an audience of all walks of life. Like it didn't matter if you're the starting quarterback or if you were like a reserve special teams guy. Like everybody worked hard and found a way to like pull out the best people. And I thought that was amazing. And I feel like I was very open and receptive to it. And I was a senior. I wanted to make the league. And I was working out really hard, doing everything I had to do. And I just felt honestly really blessed and fortunate that he just like found uh, like an invested interest in me. And he just told me like, keep working, keep doing this, like can I have a chance. So didn't they always end the offseason with some, some tests that everyone hated, the, the, the 110s? Did he still do that? Yeah, 5 a.m. You know, it was super dark out and everybody's, on the verge of throwing up by the end of the test. So what? how many 110s is it? We got up to 25. It was something crazy. Like, I don't want to misspeak. It was it was crazy, yeah. So really running the length of the, from the end of the, from the end of an end zone, full length of the field. Yeah, but I think the test thing you're referring to is you had to, like, meet a certain threshold, I think. Like, if you were alignment, you had to be within a certain parameter, like a 4.9 to, like, a 5-whatever-2 or something like that. And if you didn't pass, then you had to like retest again. Like they wouldn't just let you kind of like scoop, uh, scoop by. That sounds brutal. But yeah, the running was insane at University of But that got you ready for the combine, which you aced. The combine, yeah. So I did very well on the bench press. I was like when people like made all these jokes about me benching more than Jadavion Clowney. You did? Yeah, I did 23 and they minus two'd me. Like they hit you on the elbow. Like you better lock your elbows out or we're not going to count this. So that was a story in itself. And then I ran the 40 and then everybody, all the tight end group that was with the kickers and punters, it was the first wave of guys, like special teams, tight end. And all of them, it was Eric Ebron. Remember him from North Carolina. He was like, oh God, man, you're making all of us look bad. The punters bench pressing like this. And then I ran like a four, five, eight or something like that. You know, I was like, nah, you put all the pressure on us. <laughs> Did you train at all for that? Yeah. So I was actually at uh, Bomberitos down there, North Miami Beach, where all the guys trained. So. And you did that and you did that because you wanted to impress at the combine or you thought it would actually help you? I thought it would help show my athleticism. And I always saw it on TV and I was like, you know what? You only live once. Like I transferred to University of Miami. I did all these things, no regrets in life. And I was like, I'm going to do it. So all the specialists looked at me sideways when I told, I think it was Creeper, uh, a very established special teams coordinator in the league. I was like, he's like the guy that grades you around the whole time at the draft, sorry, the combine. And uh, I was like, hey, I'm going to participate in this. And he's like, you don't have to do that. You know, you just don't have to. I was like, nah, you know, I've trained a little bit. Like, I, you know, I want to give it a shot. And thank God it was like after the punting and everything because you don't want to really blow yourself out. Like, you don't want to like run the 40 and bench press. Like, after I kicked, I, I ran over, basically got the tail end of a speech for all the tight ends. It was the Arizona strength staff. And this old, like, juice head coach was like screaming at guys saying, This is, this is your opportunity to like showcase your talent. And you know, you get on stage and like you're wearing like tights, like you're wearing no short. It's a bad outfit. It's a bad outfit. It's a bad outfit. Yeah. So I was the last one to go. So like, you know, I'm like kind of like high five and everyone as they go. And then my time finally came. And then everyone like as soon as I like passed like three, they were like watching, you know, and then the coach was like screaming. And it was a very fond moment. I, I remember that very you got up to what was the official final number? Uh, 23, but I had 25 and they minus two me. That's got, is that a record? That sounds like a record. Yeah, we're gonna have to check that. I don't know if anyone's broken that, but that's, I mean, I don't too know, I don't know too many punters that are putting up 23 reps of 225. 
Yeah, I, I credit that to Swayze, though. We did a 225 test. Every Monday, we did a 225 test in season. And where'd you start? I was always, like, pretty strong on the bench. I mean, it probably was, like, in the teens, like, 12 or somewhere around 12 to 15. And a 464, I mean, Brevin, literally, Brevin Jordan was just on the podcast, and at his pro day, he said he ran a 4.6. You're running, like, tight end speed. Join us at Gulfstream Park this spring with live action Thursday through Sunday. Enjoy entertainment outdoors at the Carousel Club or feast in 10 Palms. Not hungry? Visit our many on-site shopping locations from fashion stores to home furnishings. For schedules, reservations, and tickets, visit GulfstreamPark.com. So did you ever think of not being a punter? I'm not saying uh, not at that part of your career, but like early on, did you ever think of not being a punter? You know what? I got into the game really late. I was a high school freshman and my best friend played football and they want you to come up with a team. And I was kind of like over soccer. I did the whole travel thing and I was just burnt out. And I tried something new, right? So I tried that, loved it, fell in love with it. They needed a kicker. It was like the typical ride everybody up on the fence who could kick the furthest. And I ended up winning. And then uh, I played tight end linebacker. And I was like, I do like the learning curve. I'm, I'm going to stick to kicking and punting. But you'd never, literally never done it before other than, I mean, soccer would be the thing you were kicking, right? You'd never, you know, taken a snap, dropped a ball, you know, set yourself up for a field goal. That had never transpired before your buddy said, hey, come out. Yeah, I, I knew very little about, like, kicking, punting. Like, I always, I was like, man, I could do that. You know, the competitive athletic guy, I was like, I could do that. So I found a local coach who, uh, like, gravitated to me and was like, listen, like, you've got a good frame, like, 6'4", uh, 6'5", six, six, you can really try to maybe do this like in college you know i did like you know some of the college camps things like that and you know i was competitive with some of the top ranked guys and i just fell in love with it it was one of those things where wait wait wait, wait, wait. when you were just starting you would go around to college camps and with very little training or just being kind of new to this you were battling the top dogs yeah so that industry is very interesting you gotta you gotta it is, that is camps. that is no no that is an interesting industry because it's like its own little um like assembly line of, of like you're in your own world, basically, right? All, if I understand, well, you should probably explain it, but the way I understand it is there's like just a handful of kicking opportunities via the camp circuit and that's it. And it's all the guys, all the top, it's like every five star of kicker is at the, uh, or at these events. And then basically these, the people who run the camps are the people that are advocating for you essentially to all the colleges. Do I have that right? It's exactly right. Yeah. And it's just been getting more competitive and more of a business. You put your best foot forward, and sometimes they advocate for the guys that pay them the most or go to the most camps. Or have, so have, or have already trained them, right? Or are training with them on the side. Correct. Correct. It's like a, some kind of it's like a, some kind of bad beauty pageant, right? Like you're you're all like you're all just up on stage, essentially being judged. Miss USA, you know, muscle and fit, some muscle and fitness show out in Vegas. Like it's, that sounds what it's like. It feel, it, that's what it felt like. I don't even know how I even got a scholarship. It was I was really late before signing day. I wasn't ranked very high because I didn't go to like the maximum number of camps I needed to, to get ranked or something like that. So I was like walk on Georgia, was like walk on UConn, was like hey come take the ACT, kind of see where you fare. And then a random scout, University of Cincinnati, had a, a practice like late in the year, and then he saw my highlight, and then basically offered me a scholarship, Brian Kelly, and he said come up to this you know, campus, see, you know, good person and all that good stuff. So I sat there and then he offered me the scholarship. Everything was great. But he said, if you walk out that door, scholarship's gone if you don't commit to us right now. And then at this time, like, you know, the Big East here is like, oh, you're going to Cincinnati. They offered you West Virginia, Connecticut. We're like, hey, we're going to offer you. Just get to campus. We'll offer you. 
little different now, but I really wanted to see West Virginia because they were like the top dog in the Big East. And then like, if you walk so out, wait, court, did you walk out? Did you walk out? No. I looked at my dad and he looked at me and he goes like, take the scholarship. Son. <laughs> so it was like, it was like one of those things. It's like, take the scholarship. Yeah. That's tough, right? Like, what are you going to do? Walk out and roll the dice? Yeah. I mean, you're a specialist and God, are you getting another scholarship full ride? Like, be crazy to walk out that door, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. He probably knew it too, right? Yeah, it was a good opportunity. They they graduated a senior punter, Kevin Kuber, who punted in the league for 15 years. And I was like his predecessor kind of thing. So they're like, if you keep working hard. <laughs> so how did you go from late bloomer basically being negotiated into committing, essentially, being strong-armed by Brian Kelly, so to speak, to becoming a, a drafted NFL punter? When did it transform for you? Like I said, I, I fell in love with it, and I put a lot of hours in. The field where, like, no one was paying attention to you in college yeah in high school i like really dedicated some time okay yeah just days that i had off i would just go to the field and i'd kick field goals or pie kick off and all that kind of stuff so uh like i said i loved it it was like one of my things that i just loved doing like even nobody was at the field it's like going to the driving range and just hit balls it was like my my sanctuary place so uh i think that's why i loved it so much but when did you become like i can make it i can make it to the league like when did you think i'm i went from a guy who was like at these camps, not doing my best or doing pretty good or not sure where I rank to like, I'm going to go to the league. Like, when did you think I had a chance? Pat O'Donnell, I can, I can do this professionally and get paid. So they come out with those other rankings, like, you know, top guys coming out. And I was at Cincinnati and I was on like a top three list of guys that could get drafted. And two guys ahead of me were seniors. And if I came out as a redshirt junior, like, you know, potentially get drafted or you know, free agent situation. So, like, at that point, I was like, wow, like, I'm on somebody's list here. Like, you know, they're paying attention. And then when I did the whole transfer thing to University of Miami, I just put in a lot of work. Like like you said, I, I would punt on the field. And this is before you know, the whole new practice facility situation. And Al Golden's office, like, overlooked the field that I would always punt on. And then he basically was like, listen, you keep working. Like, I'm going to do everything I can. Like, I know you came here to win and all that good stuff. But he showed, like, everything you want in a coach, like, to just back you and Plus, he was heavily involved in special teams, wasn't he? Very involved. So I did kick off and punts and all that. So I felt really fortunate that like he was in my corner and he just wanted me to succeed. And it kind of gave me the confidence. Uh, and then all the NFL scouts would come around during training camp. And they would say, hey, this is our, our senior punter here. He's named for Cincinnati and all that kind of stuff. So I always had like eyes on me. I was like, wow, okay. I just got to produce now. And then I had a good year at University of Miami and broke some records. Got drafted. You're the only punter. You were the only punter. Where'd you watch the draft? I watched it with my family. So it was really cool to see that. And my dad was still alive and he was like going crazy. You know, like just moments in life where you just never forget like where you were, who you were with. And, uh, but that was really cool for, for my dad to see like everything that I've been through, like soccer, this, that, transitioning to football and having all pay off. Imagine a bank that cares about you. One that sees their customers as part of a team with a common goal to achieve their dreams. Well, imagine that. There is one. We're Amarant. We're ready to help you wherever you are in life and just as importantly, wherever you want to go. Amarant, official hometown bank of the University of Miami Hurricanes, member FDIC. In my preparation for this, I was just reading, you know, said your dad was a coach. So I first, oh, dad coached Pat in football. 
That's like my before I knew anything else. And then I'm reading, I'm like, oh, well, nope, scratch that. They played soccer. <laughs> soccer coach. And there was a point in my my career, he was just like, listen, you got to have somebody else coach, man. Like, you got you to gotta keep growing and keep flourishing. And he was just like that kind of guy. Like, he always wanted what was best for me. And he was really uh, supportive of me making the jump, trying something new, playing football. And he was a basketball guy. So I never was he's like, a, oh, he, oh, so he, but he coached you in soccer, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he coached me and my sister. And then uh, as soon as I was done, I, I was doing the whole travel thing. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on like like two twelve girls or something like that. That's where he's kind of stayed. What, what position did you play if I, in soccer? When I was younger, I was a striker. And then as I grew and got bigger, it kicked the ball the furthest, you know, cleared the ball out. I went back to stopper. So never goalkeeper or anything like that, which probably could have helped me. Oh, I figured with the leg, you got to be, you know, you'd be wasted as a goalkeeper. Yeah, very true. Very true. So and you just got tired of it. Yeah, I just got tired of it. It was like one of those politic games again. Like I made the B team, and the guys that you know the parents had more money, they were making the A team. And I was like, I'm done with this. So then I went to high school, and like you know, all the guys were on the football team. I'm like, this is a cool guy. Those guys <laughs> got to figure it out. Those guys got to figure it out. I'm gonna try this. I gotcha. So how quickly did you sign that contract? Being a six round draft pick, you you got money coming your way. Oh man, that was so cool to have that. Because, you know, before all this, like, NIL stuff, you had no money in college. You were scraping by meal plans. Yeah, I signed that as fast as I could. I'm being a six-round pick, and then we had Kyle Fuller. I don't know if you remember that name from Virginia Tech. He was the first-round draft pick from Chicago. And he got, you know, whatever it was, like seven, eight million bucks. Who was your co- Who was the head coach that drafted you? So that was Mark Trestman. Oh my God, Mark Trestman, a UM guy. Maybe that was a coincidence. I don't know. And how, what was the first contract? How many years? Uh, it was four years. That's when all the craziness happened. You know, they got you under a certain amount for you know, it's like slotted. You know what I mean? Right. So you didn't, there no, not too many negotiations going on there. Nah, not for the first four years. No. <laughs> no. After that, and then yeah. So did you start right away? Yep. So I had I had to beat somebody out. It was somebody in camp that was there the season before. He was still currently punting in the league. Trust Way, who plays for Washington. So it was me and him, and then they chose me draft pick, maybe because. Whatever reason, and then I there in Chicago for eight years, and then I go to Green Bay for uh, one season, nine, and then maybe that was the reason I made that jump. That uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened, man, but yeah, life kicked me in the balls. Got to get to wait, wait, wait. Is it isn't ten the magic number in the NFL? No, it's not ten. So if you play essentially four years, you get all the you know the pension. And- oh, it's oh, it's just four. Yeah, so they got it down to a science. If you play like three point four years or something like that, like. That's the average span. So if you get to four, you're pretty much golden. So you're good. I'm good, man. Yeah. Now, is it tiered up the more you play? Like, is it more coming back the more you put in? Absolutely. Yep. So, like, I just played with Mason Crosby. And I'm like, he just finished like year 16. I was like, damn, dude, your pension must be looking nice. Oh, my. Did he, did he kick this? Where, where was he this year? Was he in Green Bay still? So they asked all the specialists. So snapper, kicker, punter, yeah. Right. I was going to say, because you were, if, you, if you were the oldest at 32, like, he couldn't have been there. Yeah. So he was like. Basically, in all these workouts that I would go to when they work out specialists and stuff, and he was with the Giants for the last two, three games, and I'm not sure if he's going to keep going or whatnot, but that was your 17 for him. Damn. And the leg's still churning, huh? Yeah. I was like, if I'm lucky, I'll be lucky if I go past 35. Like, you're 39 <laughs> years old, dude. Come on now. You're still kicking. Oh, my God. That's crazy. That's crazy. And you only missed one game. One game as a punter. I did, yeah. That was uh, a crazy uh, situation. They were playing in Seattle, and they did this awesome call. They did a, like a diversion play, so 
They had two returners, and one of the guys dropped back and ran all the way to the other sideline. The whole coverage unit went that way. And Earl Thomas was the guy to catch the ball. Runs up the sideline, and me and him, like in a foot race, trying to catch him down. And then a teammate clipped me on the heels, jarred my knee on the turf, and then I had a PCL sprain. So then that's why I had to sit out the following game. But played through that game, had a good game, and then uh, played the Oakland Raiders. I remember sitting out. And their punter was a monster too, right? I don't know if it was back then. Who's that big cat for Oak or the Raiders? Yeah, uh, Shane Leckler. No, the other one, King. Oh, Marquette King. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know you're specialist. A little bit. Now, like, if are you are, are you like going to sound awful, but like you're an athlete, dude. You're not a punter. You're an athlete, but like, are you like the what are most? You're you're your oddball punter, aren't you? Like, not too many guys look like you, do they? <laughs> no, I mean, I would I would say now they're getting more athletic and you know all that kind of stuff, but. Uh, I always took pride in being athletic and hanging with the guys and runs and things like that. And I thought that built credibility with the guys in the locker room. Do you have to do that? Do you have to like give max effort? Probably not. But I always found that doing that kind of added uh, something to the locker room that is like, hey, this guy's going to go to war with me. And I just, I did that even in the locker room at University of Miami. And it worked wonders for me being guys and acquainted. Uh, you'd run, so you'd run with the skill, or I don't know, what group would they put you with? Yeah. So I would run with either the skill or the mid skill. Tight ends, linebackers. Yeah, it was good for me, man. It was good for me to beat the guys. And where did where did that come from? Like in your mentality? Yeah, I mean, I ran track in high school. I was always like tough on myself. I always wanted to be the best. And I was like, I ran track. I can hang with these boys. So I would always just run with them. They didn't like me at the time because sometimes if I beat them, then they're like, oh, punters beat me. You know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, pick and choose your battles. I'm John Davis, Secretary of the Florida Lottery, and I'm proud to lead an agency that is creating brighter futures for Florida students, families, and communities. As the primary funding source of the Bright Future Scholarship Program, the lottery has helped nearly one million students reach their dream of a post-secondary education. And we will continue to do our part to ensure that every student across this state is aware of these opportunities and has the resources needed to succeed. Because together, we can build a brighter future for all. Hey, I, so I got to ask this. This is one of one of my favorite guys. I knew him when he was a basketball player. Do you, you were a teammate of Jimmy Graham's, right? Yep. And how'd you get to fly? Oh, I know, I know that he flies. But that, that, how was that? You got to you got to fly in a helicopter with him. How was that? Yeah, that was one of the most unique experiences in my life. And looking back on, I was like, man, I took a lot of risk flying with this guy. You know what I mean? Like I've only known him for one year. How, how'd that get set up? You reached out to him. Yeah, he he like said something in passing, like, "Hey man, you know, if you're ever in Miami, like I'd love to fly with." He's you. a good dude. He's a good dude. Yeah, great dude. Yeah, we set it up. It was, you know, the I think it was a private airport, just maybe Homestead. I think there was like a little airport over there. A little nervous. Yeah, I was nervous. I was nervous, but like the airplane or the helicopter itself was a Huey, and it was like in the active military at one point, so you don't know like. I'm sure it's well kept, you know. Like, yeah, like <laughs> right, 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 who pays right. for like you know the servicing of this thing? You ask a couple of questions. He's got an awesome foundation that takes care of the plane, and he takes kids up and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I felt comfortable. That feels like it was pretty cool. You said this somewhere, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up pretty soon, Pat. Punning, right? Kick the ball as far as you can, right? Which is a very cavemanish way of looking at punning, right? So take me inside, like the skill of punting, the things that are prioritized, especially when you get to the level you're at and the amount of time it takes in to be an expert at those skill sets. Yeah, so when you get to the highest level, they got to pretty much expect the most out of you like every single game. They try to give you, if you're playing a dangerous returner, you got a game plan for the week. Like, hey, let's keep this between 
40 to 45. Let's try to do fair catches, pin them on the sideline. And then there's like some other games where you could be a little bit more aggressive if it's a young returner or like not sure-handed. You know, you can kind of air it out a little bit. But typically, like your coach wants that ratio ball where you're kicking at 45 yards, four or five hang time. To give you an example, that's always like a golden rule for punting. So you don't want to ever outkick your coverage. You know, hit like a rocket down the middle of the field, 60 yards with no hang time is coming right back at you. I remember vividly punting to Devin Hester, and that was probably like one of my most surreal moments. And he is where? He's in Atlanta at this time. This is the tail end of his career, and it was the beginning of mine. And obviously, going into Chicago, he was the best return man, uh, hands down. I mean, arguably best ever. So then you're facing him, and they're like, we don't care if it's a 20, 30-yard out of bounds. Like, just don't let him touch it kind of thing. So I don't. I think I had like maybe two or three punts, and thank God like he didn't ruin my career because I've seen that man just <laughs> destroy people's career. Did, oh, so two or three punts, and did he, did he put his hands on the ball? He did touch him, yeah. I got a couple fair catches. I think we caught – we kept it that game like 40 to 42 yards, like get the boys down there and take what we can get kind of thing. So now knowing that, whether it was Devin H- – we'll use Devin Hester. So when you have a guy like Devin Hester, you are keenly aware of who you are punting to. And don't screw this up. They drilled that in your head from Monday all the way to Friday, you know, and then get on the plane and they hit you again with the game plan and I just don't run it to him. Or, you know, how, so how did they talk about Hester? How did your coaches talk about Hester? They just didn't want him to wreck the game. It was like that. It was like, do not give this guy an opportunity to get started. Don't give him space. Because, you know, Devin, like, he'd get frustrated. He always wanted the ball or he always was trying to make something happen. Very scary moment for me, <laughs> being a rookie, going against Devin. Now, on the on the flip side of that, one where the plan didn't go right and someone did it. No, no one ever housed you, right? Uh, Yeah, I've had that happen to me. I thought in the pros, no one took one back. Uh, Yeah, let's keep it like that. I like your stat better. <laughs> But if you were going to tell a story, the story would have been that I just clobbered the guy on the sideline and he did not score a touchdown. No. um, (laughs) You went Sean Taylor on. Who did Sean Taylor clobber in the Pro Bowl? Oh, I know the the Bills punter that was there forever. Um, I felt bad for that guy. Yeah, that was when the Pro Bowl they were actually playing playing. Did you ever? So did you ever tag a dude? Not like that. But did you ever tag a dude in the NFL? Not, not like that, yeah. But who'd you tag? I remember tackling Earl Thomas. We played Seattle again. I remember tackling Earl Thomas. And it wasn't anything glorious by any means. It was like sideline, get him out of bounds kind of thing, like in, in pursuit, click the heels, got him out. Everyone's like, thank God you stopped this kind of thing. So how about the most upset you've been at your return team in the NFL or college where you hit not a glorious punt like 70, you, know, you hit a great punt, whatever was needed, and they screwed it up? Yeah, we had a, a lot of interesting years in Chicago where we were rotating personnel. But I think like the, the most frustrating thing for a punter is like you put it there right inside the five, like it's bouncing around, and then they just let it squirt through their legs and they go into the end zone. That's the one that gets you, right? That's the one that yeah, gets you. That's the most frustrating out of anything. But how about the one that like bounces out at the two and you're like, yep, that was me. Yeah, I've had that happen too. And then <laughs> like, yeah, it's all me. It's all me. I did. I, I planned that perfectly. Kick off and corner punt. Change the trajectory of your career 
or find your new passion. Both are possible at the University of Miami's Division of Continuing and International Education. The division offers over 50 courses with online and hybrid options for on-the-go professionals and busy parents. Visit miami.edu slash DCIE to learn more or call our enrollment advisors at 305-284-4000 to discover which course is right for you. So Pat has dabbled his hand in some other other endeavors, right? So one was a podcast called Locker Room. You're very dad-centric. Locker Room Dads, dad season with the shirt. Where, where is this going? Where do you hope it to go? Yeah, so I hope it goes into a point where guys could essentially hang out in the offseason, whether that's like at a retreat, kind of talk, talk about issues of parenting or just have like moments that they can hang out together, like outside of football, outside of family life, or maybe include their kids there too. You know, that was one thing that I really wanted to do. I love doing football camps and things like that, maybe especially for father-son duo. I just really want to like highlight all the cool dads out there in the league, maybe do some other cool things with other guys that are MLB or, you know, NASCAR drivers, et cetera. Just kind of tell their stories. Everyone has a different story, especially as a father, or sometimes they struggle with not being able to have kids when they have kids or just kind of like pour into guys that are struggling. I mean, a lot of guys don't really talk about things to begin with. And I think this is a cool opportunity for them to tell their story right, outside of football. Because all you hear about is a football player. You don't really hear about the person. So that's really kind of what I want to highlight is you know, the dad and all the cool stories that they have and the advice that they can give other guys. And in the locker room, does this come up? Fatherhood? Yeah, it comes up a lot. Probably marriage first. They talk about like when to get married, how you know you have the right one. And then they talk about wanting to be a dad. And sometimes people have really great father role models in their life and others don't and then a lot of them want to break the narrative that uh, they want to be very supportive hands-on dad and i think that's kind of like where maybe society is going it used to be taboo for there to be a stay-at-home dad raising kids now it's like oh yeah i'm a stay-at-home dad all right thanks for doing this i'm glad you powered through i'm glad you powered. we almost lost you at the beginning i know man i don't know what happened you gotta tweak that spicy soup recipe you rebounded nicely though I know. It was probably you pulling me through, so thank you. And by the way, can you get Brax on here? Can we get – do you have some pull there with Braxton? Yeah, I'll shoot him a text. I'll say it's painless. The guy loves canes. He was just talking easy softball questions. Nothing crazy. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy. It's no big deal. Plus, he's dating, uh, he's dating the supermodel. Come on, dude. Let's go. Oh, man. That's a lot. Well, well you, were co- you were in college with Brax, right? Uh, no, I just missed him. Oh, you just missed him. Yeah, I heard, it, I heard he did not have a hard time. I don't think he did. He was like <laughs> – he was probably in Pike, and he was probably always at the party. That season will be interesting for Brax, if there is a dad season. Oh, wow. Yeah. We might actually be a brand by that point. You know, <laughs> my household name is Braxton as a kid. All right. If you want to send me a dad bod season shirt, I'll take it, because I'm probably more Mahomes. Oh, I got you. No question. I'll send it right to you. Pat, thanks for doing this, buddy. Tell the wife I said hey. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man.